Hello and welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. Jess. Looks like we made it! We're finally here. Yes. The final chapter. It's the final chapter. Do it. <laughs> you know you wanted to. I- yeah, you did. I got lost though. I was like, like, wait, oh, it's, am I supposed to push a button? It's so addictive. Am I supposed to make the sound so for the catchy. noise? Oh, it's so catchy, I but I also don't want to encourage his singing. No, that wasn't me. Oh my god! I was. Oh my I god! Was are thinking, you saying is there something on here oh that god. I'm supposed to push? Is that what you said? Oh my god! Thank you. You're welcome. My friend Doug says I have a nice voice. Doug's in love with you. Yeah. Feelings mutual, Jess. That's what a loving relationship is like. And now he's trying to get you to go away with him for the weekend. It's for a wrestling show, Jess. Wrestling's cool. Uh huh. Uh huh. We're gonna go up to Chicago and stay with Catherine. <laughs> Catherine loves wrestling. Catherine's gonna hear this for the first time and be like, "What? <laughs> huh? <laughs> What's that?" But uh, last time we talked about chapter thirty-six, the parting of the ways. So I'll give a quick recap of that, and then we will talk about what happened in chapter thirty-seven called the beginning even though it's the final chapter it's called the beginning what and i'm gonna ask you about that oh okay (laughs) and then we'll watch the movie and for us it'll be about two plus hours but for you guys it'll just be seconds because of the magical time turn it's magic babe that jess has in her possession i do have one so chapter 36, last time the parting of the ways, Dumbledore takes Harry to his office where they are met by Sirius. Uh, things get a bit uncomfortable when we realize that Harry isn't protected from Voldemort anymore. We learned about Priori Incantatum, the reverse spell effect, which forced Voldemort's wand to spit out the last few spells he's performed. We learned that both Harry and Voldemort's wands have cores of tail feathers from Falks to Phoenix. Harry gets some sleeping potion and wakes up to find that Fudge brought a Dementor in the Hogwarts. Silly Fudge. To interrogate Barty Crouch Jr. And, of course, the Dementor kills Barty Jr. Because Dementor's gonna dement. Exactly. Dumbledore is upset but realizes that steps need to be immediately taken. He doesn't have time to dwell on the mistakes made by Fudge. Steps have to be taken in order to combat Voldemort and his rising power and army, but Fudge refuses to even acknowledge that Voldemort is back, much less take the steps that Voldemort's or that Dumbledore suggests. And Hermione catches something in her hands at the end of the chapter. Do we panic now? <laughs> I didn't even know we had that one. I just saw it. I was like, hey, I think it's, I think I think he would say that right now. I would now. think the rise of the Dark Lord is a Perfectly reasonable time to panic. Can we panic now? Can we panic now? What the sound like this? <laughs> it sounds like you're not gonna finish a word. You have the grim. Oh, you're, you're so glad that the iPad's charged up this time. You can get I the soundboard back. You didn't have time. it last time. And, I, uh, I use it very sparingly. And let's be honest, that was a. The ball was dropped on my part. I did not have the iPod or the iPad. iPod. 
iPod. Hello. Little, little hello. iPod shuffle. Hello, 1997. With the wheel. <laughs> we time turned back to 1998 there for a second. The iPad was not charged. And that's where the soundboard is located. Mm-hmm. But it's here now. So just play some stuff. Just play any. Close your eyes and pick one. No, but I have, I right, have ones ahead. I want. Go for it. Dead or nothing. Dead or Poor nothing. Cedric. Now, you all know I don't pick favorites, but Harry, he is my favorite. <laughs> all my favorites are from At, Puffs. And as we come to the end of the year here, that is usually the time when Dumbledore will stand up and assign, you know, 50 million points for friendship or something like that yeah. because he loves Harry the most. So, chapter 37, the beginning. Uh, first of all, from your reaction a second ago, it made me think that you didn't even realize that that, that was the name of the chapter, but. Now that you know that the name of the chapter is the beginning, what's your interpretation of that title? Is this like the beginning of the big war coming with Voldemort? The beginning of the more young adult portion of these kids' lives? Uh, We've talked about that chapter where Cedric dies is kind of the line of demarcation where these kind of go from like whimsical fantasy uh, you know, stories about children to, uh uh-oh, stuff just got serious. So what do you... Uh, serious. I see what I did there. Uh, yeah. But uh, what's your interpretation of the beginning as a chapter for the name of a chapter of a last uh, chapter in a book? Um, I think it's what you were talking about. It's there's definitely a big, like we talked about before, a big change here. We shifted from funny children's adventures to darker times, and. Um, I know Voldemort has been around before, but not in the timeline that we've been reading. So for us, this is like the beginning of his reign, where we're, and the kids that we're following are going to witness. So I kind of feel like it's that. It's it's kind of jumping into another story. I mean, we've kind of been dealing with Voldemort, but he's just kind of been this almost laughable character i mean the one he was living in a guy's turban living in a guy's turban yeah it wasn't as serious it was there and we knew it was kind of serious because of what other people had told us but now i feel like we're gonna see it for real Mm -hmm. and so and obviously we did he killed cedric Mm -hmm. and cut harry up really bad and you know is raising his army and yeah there's a lot of like I said, things just got real. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of like when the comic books I read when I was little. I, I was a big fan of Spider-Man. And it was the early Spider-Man stuff that my dad would have me read, like reprints of. Stuff from like the, the 60s, late 60s or early 70s. And it almost seemed like there was no there was no stakes. There was no big consequences. Nobody ever died. And then Gwen Stacy died. You know, and... You know, I'm not spoiling anything. This happened in the ni- 1970s, uh, late 1970s, and it was portrayed in the the Andrew Garfield uh, second Amazing Spider-Man movie. But when that happened, and she didn't come back, you know, when when superheroes die in comic books, they always come back. Superman came back. You know, I, Captain America got came back. They all they always come back. But Gwen never came back, and it, it's almost like that was. That was that Spider-Man's example of the Cedric chapter, where things kind of 
you know, got serious after that. And, you know, Spider-Man goes from being your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, you know, crack, cracking jokes. In the very next issue, he even says, I'm not playing with you. I'm going to kill you. He, the, the Green Goblin. I'm, go, I'm going to kill you. You killed the girl I love. I am going to kill you. I'm not going to crack jokes. I'm not. And Spider-Man eventually, you know, the hero in him kind of, you know, overcomes that and he he does he's not able to you know take the life of his enemy but she gwen never comes back you know we see like alternate uh dimension versions of gwen and things like that but there was like real stakes there and that kind of set that was something that you know kind of has an impact on spider-man 40 years after it happened you know it still affects him and that's something that has an impact on Harry and is going to affect him going forward for the rest of these books. There's a series of books, the the Shadowhunter books, the City of Bones books. Um, I always thought it was a little weird. There's, I don't know how many there are, there might be seven of those. But the first three are definitely like one story. And then the next ones are a whole different and same characters, same timeline, but it's just like they defeat one bad guy in the first three, and it's like, oh, everybody's going to live happily ever after, but then it, I, I guess she decided to write some more books, but it was weird because she didn't make it a different series. She just kept going. And so I always thought that was a little strange, but I feel like that's kind of what we're doing here. Maybe she didn't realize how much money she was going to make off. It's <laughs> like, man, exactly. I got to write some more oh, books. She's still cranking them out, guys. <laughs> but she, then she did like another series. She's done several series in that world. But this one, she kept going with the same characters. And then they like had a different bad guy. And it is all one story, but there's definitely a break in between those. The first three or one thing. And then the rest of them are like a, I don't know, it just felt like a whole different story to me. Those same characters, everything's, the plot's still going, but you kind of had this victory at the end of three and a couple of things resolved, which is not what happened here. Mm -hmm. Things didn't resolve, didn't yeah. have a victory, things got worse, but it was definitely a difference between. Uh -huh. And it's all considered one yeah, series, so it's very strange. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of makes me, when you say that, kind of makes me think of, like the first three Star Wars movies, you know, at the end of the first, there's the big uh, medal ceremony where Chewbacca, of course, doesn't get his medal. Mm. <laughs> and that's why he goes, <laughs> but the, we've, we're, we've been victorious. We've, you know, destroyed the Death Star. Yay. And it's almost like if that movie bombed, that would have been the end of it. That could have been the end of it. And you don't really know what really happens next, but it kind of had, like, the big happy ending, and yeah, we assumed that, you know, we blew up the Death Star, so now we're, we've won in the end. But it was so immensely successful, and... They're still making them. They're still making them. They just won't stop, for better or worse. You know, some of the Can't stuff... Stop, stop. So, some of the stuff that comes out is great, some of the stuff is, is not. Mm -hmm. But the second movie, Empire Strikes Back, it's very dark you know luke gets his hand chopped off uh finds out Vader's his father uh we lose the good guys lose at the end it, things are dark and then we kind of rebound with return of the jedi and we get some muppets in there 
<laughs> and uh no, guys, it's happy, happy. Everything's hunky dory, you know, at the at the end. But there's there's a clear line right there, and it, like you said, with those uh, the Shadow Hunters books, they probably could have stopped, you know, right there if she didn't want to write the books anymore or for wh- whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But the allure of cash and prizes <laughs> uh, and the demand, you know, keeps people going. But in this case, you know, J.K.'s got the... She, like, doubled down. She's got the story planned. She's got the story plotted out. And by the time we're on the fourth book here, this thing is is a tremendous success. We know that she knows that she's probably got the story all all planned out. It's just a matter of how she's going to break it down into, like, how many books. You know, am I going to do... How long is it going to take her to Am I going to do several monster books? Am I going to do... you know, even more shorter books. How am I going to, you know, draw the line so we have a clear beginning and clear ending, not just for the entire story, but for each uh, installment in the story as well. Mm. So uh, that was my first thing on my <laughs> notes. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, Harry has a meeting with the Diggories to help give some, them some closure about the loss of their son. Are the Diggories someone? Who can be an asset to Dumbledore and gathering support for the movement against Voldemort? And we know that Fudge is going to do everything he can to prevent anyone from even talking about, about Voldemort, much less organizing against him. The Diggories know the truth. Are they somebody that can be an asset, or are they just so traumatized by this that maybe they would push back against getting involved against Voldemort at all. <laughs> um, I feel like they've done their bit and they're going to be gone, but, but that like might what be else the good... You, like, what else do you want us to give? You know, yeah. we gave our son. Yeah. Well, no, I just mean, like, from the storytelling aspect of it. Mm-hmm. She needed characters to play these roles that weren't core characters mm-hmm. we, we didn't really even talk about Hufflepuff much until this book mm-hmm. and now it's like oh I need probably, you guys we probably won't again I need you guys to step up so that I can kill someone um but and Cedric volunteered his tribute and so I feel like it was more of a story writing need that arose and they filled that hole but if you want to think of the characters, then I'm going to guess that she's going to oh, they're too traumatized. They're going to go home and wish to be left alone and don't want to talk about it. And Gotcha. Uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione have one more meetup with Hagrid before the end of the school year. Turns out Hagrid seems to have made up with Madame Maxine. Oh. And I'm guessing... Hagrid doesn't say this directly. just says he's got a job over the summer. But I'm guessing... Based on what Dumbledore said in the last chapter and what Hagrid kind of alluded to in this chapter. Hagrid and Madame Maxine are going to kind of be part of the Olive Branch Consortium that's going to reach out to the giant community. Yes. Uh, The Leaving Feast, the last meal before we go home for the summer. No house cup ceremony. What's the setting and the tone like in the room and the scene here? I... I was thinking about that when I was reading, 
And I was like, oh, yeah, they don't do the house cup. Because, and I was like, was this predetermined? Like, I can't remember. Was it mentioned earlier in the book, hey, we're not doing the house cup this year because we're doing this. They weren't doing doing Quidditch. Quidditch. And Quidditch is a big role in who wins the house cup. But I also feel like, so do you just not give points all year? Because I know from our time at school, like, Mm -hmm. we give points. You have a system where kids will do the right thing for points, and then you take said system away, some of these kids are like, what reason do I have to do the (laughs) right thing? What reason do I I have to try? They couldn't just not do points at all. But I also see why maybe there was supposed to be like a smaller, not not the house cup because there was no quidditch, but maybe some kind of smaller prize. Maybe got maybe a bag, like a, like bag a, hot chips. Like a, I ch- don't know. a Chuck E. Cheese type of situation where you get like tickets. And cookie can, cake dance party. Cookie cake dance party. Cookie cake dance party is a huge prize reward that they kids love. Yeah, I've never been to one. However, just the name of it, I'm in. These are all things that I love. Cookie cake. I love cookie cake. Dance I love party. dancing and I love parties. Yes. These are all things that I love. Cookie cake dance party. I was just thinking like, uh, you know, maybe tickets and then they can like cash them in. You know, you get like 3,000 tickets. You can get like a couple sweet tarts and an eraser. <laughs> I always thought, okay. man, I had like so many tickets at Chuck E. Cheese. I was like, I am a king. And I'm I, taking that Nintendo home. And I walk up to, you walk up to the counter. counter, and you think that you are royalty, but you are actually a peasant. Yes. Because thousands of tickets equate to nothing in actual currency. A Starburst. <laughs> ah, Starburst. Maybe one of those little uh, uh, fun size that's got the two Starbursts in them. Not just one. I, I remember. They opened it and just gave you one. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> And then maybe... Uh, and, and a little... The finger trap. Chinese finger trap. You get one of those. Yep. Those are pretty dope. Or the though. little sticky ball that you can throw against the wall. Okay. I, you must have had a lot of tickets. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> listen, we, we all didn't come from money like you. So. Sorry. <laughs> Which is totally not true, Not by the true, way. no. <laughs> uh, let's see. That's Jennifer. So, just like the scene is just kind of... It's more of a... Kind of a, a lower key, like downtrodden. Oh, they didn't yeah, hang they up didn't like hang the, up any decorations for the houses. And like black it's banners, black, which is kind of kind like, of like the, the symbol, yeah, like the black armbands that people would wear and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Harry says he's been avoiding the dining hall during peak hours when there'd be a lot of people. So this is like his first time being in front of everybody again. Because these kids, they don't know the story. No. You know, I. That's what caught me off guard is when Dumbledore. Yeah, it's been a month. Big speech. Yeah. You didn't ask why Cedric is for the past month. What? Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure they. They knew he was dead. Yeah, they heard like Amos, you know, screaming, "My son, my son." I thought he was like really hurt. But it's just the fact that. I feel bad for Harry because he's had to go around with people just giving him dirty looks like wondering if he murdered Cedric. And if if so, why is he here? <laughs> why what are is you going still on in class? Shouldn't you have at least gotten suspended? <laughs> you murdered go somebody. Go into the Forbidden Forest for a couple hours. 
So yeah, it's a very uh, it's a very different final feast. It's not celebratory yeah. at all. Normally, the part of the year, like I said earlier, where Dumbledore gives Gryffindor ten million bonus points for friendship or for standing up to your friends or for a well played game of chess. <laughs> Yeah. Or some, something like that. But it's just very morose and a, a serious you know, tenor to the last meetup of the year. And Dumbledore gives a speech honoring Cedric. So they know he's dead. Mm-hmm. And there's a line in there that I really like, so I, I wrote it down. Cedric was a person who exemplified many of the qualities that distinguish Hufflepuff House. He was a good and loyal friend, a hard worker. He valued fair play. And that's basically the you know, Hufflepuff in a nutshell right there. I thought that was pretty cool to kind of give, you know, Hufflepuff a little a little shine there. Uh, just thought it was cool. But then Dumbledore drops the bombshell that Cedric was murdered by Lord Voldemort. And it's not entirely accurate because wasn't it Wormtail that actually yes. did the deed? On Voldemort's order. But With Voldemort's wand. It's indirectly true. Yes. And it has more cachet, uh, you know, to kind of rally the troops. Ron's here. pet rat turned into a human and murdered Cedric. Ron's rat murdered Cedric. <laughs> what? what? How? Just, he got rabies and slowly I died. Don't understand what just weeks. happened. So, did the students not believe that this was the case until Dumbledore actually said it? Did they think Cedric? died as just a result of like regular tri-wizard trials because we know that this has happened in the past yeah i i guess i mean it's been a long time since i read them and they just kind of alluded to it and i guess everybody just kind of believed that he was hurt due to some kind of accident in the maze i mean if you think about it too richard crumb came out stunned Floor got hurt. Everybody got hurt. Even Harry came out bloody and mm-hmm. beat up. Not that, that was all the maze. But they, if, if they don't know that they took that little field trip to the graveyard, then they think that that's how they came out. I guess it would be very easy to just let everybody assume he got killed in the maze. But Dumbledore knows that Fudge and the Ministry do not want the news about Voldemort to be given to the students, but Dumbledore because fe- they believe it's false. Dumbledore feels like he has no other choice, right? Yeah. So is Dumbledore doing this because he feels the students have the right to know? Is it kind of for his own reasons to kind of get the younger generation behind this movement in order to kind of secure the future, or a bit of both? <laughs> Definitely a bit of both, Daniel. I told you I was going to set you up for a yeah. for a bit of both situation on this podcast. But I was waiting for it. But you didn't know when it was coming. No, I was, I was like was a waiting ninja. For it. I was earlier. You kind of gave me a this or that, and I'm like, but that's not both. <laughs> that's a dis or dat. Jess. It was a dis or dat, not a bit of both. Um, you know, he said that you know people don't want me to tell you because you're so young, but I think the truth is better than lies. And, you know, we all need to be on the same page, basically. Your quote from your library wall was in there. Yes. 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 I, I, I didn't write that down, but as soon as I read it, I said, ah, that's on my... I have an enormous... I, I've done some, in my library wall at school, some enormous quotes that I've painted, like hand-painted on the wall. 
So you can see them from anywhere, you know, in the library. And um, it, it was, we are only as strong as we are united, as weak as we are divided. Mm-hmm. I believe, I think I said that right. Pretty close, not. I yeah, think, some, I think it sounds right. I'm going to get many angry emails. <gasps> oh, Kelly's going to yell at you. Um, actually, um, <laughs> <laughs> there was a comment in there, and I don't believe you paused enough. Um, no, we don't get those kinds of emails, guys. We're just joking. There was a comma in the middle of the <laughs> phrase. Change the meaning. Um, Did you intend it? So I think, yeah, that's part of it. We all need to be on the same page. We all need to be preparing. If you're going to try and, like, deny and live under a rock, then you're not going to be ready. And we need everybody ready. Is kind of the way I feel. You don't want to end up like Cedric. And I also kind of feel like if you take, if the kids take the news home with, like, firsthand experience, Mom, I saw Cedric's dead body. That's a little more powerful than Fudge says it's not true. Mm -hmm. You know... I just feel like at least if if the very least is going to put a seated out in some adults' heads that my kids saw this at school and the movement and Dumbledore that said Dumbledore it, has needs all the help he can get yes. even if it's just a seed of mm-hmm. doubt. Uh, Bo Batten's going back to school. Durmstrang without Karkaroff going back as well. Can you guys even sail that thing without him? It's like Karkaroff didn't even. Steer it at all. No. We did all the work. We know what we're doing. <laughs> he stayed below deck and just back off. Sipped his drink. Uh, definitely, you know, like I said, a, a very morose, you know, end to the the year here. Everybody kind of going their their separate ways, and the Hogwarts students are heading back on the train as well. Uh, Hermione gets the daily profit. Unless there was something else you wanted to say about, I know there was the kind of the funny little scene where. Uh, Ron is all mad at Victor because, you know, because he likes Hermione, even though he won't admit it. But then he asks Victor for his autograph. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. was funny. Which Victor was nice enough to do. Good for him. And I liked how both Victor and Flora came over kind of like as the representatives of their school mm-hmm. to talk like, to Harry. Yeah, acknowledged Harry. And that was a good moment. Mm-hmm. Harry, the went from being not really respected to not, you know, because he didn't really belong in this Triwizard Tournament to having a lot of respect from some pretty cool people, you know, by the end of this book. Well, and it kind of showed that the tournament did exactly what it was supposed to mm-hmm. do, even though it went horribly wrong. Yeah. And Dumbledore said that in his speech. He said the whole point of this was not to show which school had the best athletes, it was to for, bring us you know, yeah, you know, wizarding brotherhood and sisterhood. And he, in his little speech, too, he did mention that any of those students could come to Hogwarts if they wanted mm-hmm. to. So if something happens in your area, I, I don't know what a, he's imagining, gets attacked and the school burns down, or maybe they just don't feel safe at their school. Or if your or, school is run by a former Death Eater. <laughs> yeah. You know? And maybe you don't agree with the teachings at your school, you can come back to you can come to Hogwarts. So we're on the train. Hermione gets the Daily Prophet. Nothing in it about Cedric's death. Definitely nothing about Voldemort. So is the Ministry controlling the Wizarding Press? There's no freedom of the press in the Wizarding world, Jess. 
No, sir. This is this is not good. This is if we have the the government essentially controlling the narrative to the people. That is a, a a society that I don't want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that is that yes. is a frustrating. Could you imagine? I mean, and I asked, like, can you imagine? Of course, of course we can imagine. Of, of course it happens, but there's like the Woodward and Bernstein's uh, of the world who uh, expose the Watergate scandal. You know, there's people like that that will risk. Lo- literally risk their lives to get the truth out to the people and and some people uh reporters over the years who have given their lives you know giving getting the truth out to the people but but as we of know right it, it now does happen. It everything's does happen. kind of been they put a lid on it because everything happened at hogwarts no adults know what happened mm-hmm. so, so that's another part so we, they're controlling mm-hmm. they're doing it's pretty easy for them to control it until mm-hmm. the kids come home now with this information from Dumbledore. Pretty smart. So it's pretty smart. Kind of necessary yeah. that he did that. Also, I just, you know, these books were written years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they had current similarities then, but I feel like it's even more now, and mm-hmm. it's kind of neat that a book can still be very similar well like what's what's been one of the most overused terms as we record this in 2022 over the last four to six years is fake news mm-hmm. you know that it, it has become just a general everyday term and it, even to the point where it's it's a joke you know where somebody says something about you um and you say oh that's fake news fake news fake news we don't and that and we don't know what's fake sometimes anymore, you know, because sometimes stuff is made up and sometimes stuff is uh, leaked falsely in order to get the country thinking a certain way or get a group of people galvanized a certain way. The whole, there was there was a there was an attack on the Capitol building based around lies and and fake news and people you know with in positions of power and we just lost a bunch of uh listeners. no we lost them last week they, they, they tapped out I'm, last week i'm gonna finish the job this week <laughs> anybody was like i'll give them one more i'll chance. give them one more shot well i was thinking more you said i wouldn't want to be a part of a government that's controlling the news but this, that's what russia is doing Right now, with the whole Ukraine thing. You calling me thing. Russian? No, I'm not calling you You're Russian. You're fake news, <gasps> comrade. <laughs> and then there's been a lot of arguments lately about what teachers are allowed to talk about at school, and uh-huh. you know the whole thing with Dumbledore's like they don't want me to tell you this, mm-hmm. but I think you need to know. I, th- I think the biggest example of controlling the news is. North Korea. It's like almost comical. You know, the there was the stories about uh, uh, Kim Jong-il, who was uh, Kim Jong-un's father, and about how he had like, he did a round of golf, which is 18 holes, and he had 18 holes in one on the golf. Of course, so of course. When he passed away, uh, my brother Boo said, man, the world, world lost a great golfer today it's just stuff like that like they they're not even allowed to have the internet you know in in north korea and stuff like that so i mean it can be done and controlling 
what goes out to the people and making it convey the message that you want it to convey, it can be done. It looks like it's being done in the wizarding world as well. Uh, we learned that Hermione, uh, we learned what Hermione caught at the end of the last chapter. Were you so excited? I was very excited. Uh, and I was very, even more excited because I was right about my <laughs> hypotheses. Uh, turns out Rita Skeeter is an unregistered animagus and can turn into a beetle. And that's how she gets all her scoops, Jess. Scoops! And I, I'm guessing that she's been doing this for a long time. Is, is there any um, is there any significance to the fact that Rita Skeeter is a beetle? Because we know that Wormtail is a rat, mm-hmm. and he is pretty much the personification of a rat, not just from a physical appearance, but from you know when people call somebody a rat, it is a derogatory term. He is a rat of a person. Is there any significance to the the beetle other than they said that uh, her antenna looked like her glasses or something like that? Well, when McGonagall turns into a cat, the cat has the markings of her glasses still. So it has like almost like a little mask around his eyes. So this beetle also has the mask of the glass. Well, not mask because it's not around the eyes, but it's around the antenna. Like if she put her glasses yeah. on. But the that's top like of the, physical head. the physical, the physical And I think with like McGonagall and the cat, you know, there are there could be some similarities between, you know, the person and the personality and the actual mm-hmm. animal, and that cats are very intelligent. You know, cats. Uh, I think just that persona that a cat. Yeah, she ca- she car- she carries herself very, you know, properly and she you know can get down and dirty if she needs to. She can be very loving if she needs to. You know, cats are are, are the same way. Uh they will love you one minute, but if you cross them, <laughs> they'll scratch your eyes out. I think there is a lot Whenever it's determined what animal you're going to be, there is a lot of your personality, physical characteristics go into it. But you also have a little bit of a say in the matter because Sirius wanted to be a dog so that he could help and be with Lupin when he was a wolf. Mm -hmm. So I think that you have some say in the matter, Mm -hmm. or at least... If you really, really need it to be a certain thing or a certain type of animal, I think she probably figured it would be really helpful to be a small, mm-hmm. yeah, something, that makes sense. whatever she chose. And then I think they're kind of playing off the idea of like, like Harry said, oh, it's like she put a bug in there, mm-hmm. and so she was a bug. I don't know enough about. Beatles, the bugs. I know a lot about be- the Beatles band, uh-huh. but uh, we need to. If we have any entomologist out there <laughs> that can tell us uh, if you know a lot about Beatles, maybe you can kind of compare and contrast uh, the Beatle to Rita Skeeter. Send us your know. emails, broomsticks.butterbeard. Your essay. <laughs> send, us, send us your essay submission via Google Drive. Uh, but now, Rita, Rita Beetle, for lack of a better term is trapped in a mason jar hopefully with some holes poked in it that's magic i'm sure it's fine and hermione is going to be blackmailing rita into how the future of her writing career is going to play out yeah 
Don't cross Hermione. So there was some. Don't write garbage about Hermione. Don't write anything for like a month. For a year. Was it a year? It's a year. She's not allowed to write anything for a year. Wow. We're detoxing big time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a that's a long time for anything, but really for somebody who thrives on, you know, fresh as today's headlines stuff, a year away can. I mean, she could be. For you know, to to pardon a pun here, uh, yesterday's news. If she tries to make a career comeback in a year, the fact that she doesn't have a like a job anymore because she can't write anything, and the fact that she can't really use her secret weapon, which is the <laughs> being able to turn into an animal without Hermione exposing her. Mm-hmm. And but I also think. On Hermione's part, she's thinking, well, if I can, like, get her out of the way, not causing any damage for a year, maybe... We might not even be here in a year (laughs) with Voldemort. Maybe we can get things sorted out. At least I can have that off my plate. Yeah. I don't know what's coming in the next year, but I can't (laughs) deal with you two. I just can't. I just can't. Just go away for the... Go away for the period of one year. And you will be allowed back if you can answer these riddles, too. If you can behave. Of course, Draco, Crab, and Goyle have to duck their heads into Harry, Ron, and Hermione's compartment. And they're just openly bragging about Voldemort being back and how happy that makes them and how all the mudbloods are going to die. and Just totally... And the muggle lovers. Just being totally evil. Harry, you picked the wrong side from day one. I told you... What were you thinking? But when Cedric's name comes up, our heroes have had enough. And Harry, Ron, and Hermione, along with Fred and George, apparently. Yes, see, that was another one of those moments where Fred and George were like, they're up to something. We better go. They're always around. We better go protect. They're never too far away. Harry and Ron and Hermione, like, they're always, they're not always just goofing off. Mm -hmm. I love it in the books that they're actually very responsible, finally. Ish. Ish. They're responsible when they need to be. But all five of them do a different hex at the same time, and what are the effects here? <laughs> kind of chaos. Chaos, yeah. Well, they all go down, and they're out cold, and just like uh, Draco, Crab, and Goyle. Yes. And um, they've got tentacles growing off their faces, weird things. They're like, oh, you probably shouldn't have mixed those jinxes together. <laughs> Whoops. And then they just kick them out of the way and close the door. <laughs> like, man, we messed them up. All right, let's just cut it. And they kind of, Fred and George kind of step over them. Well, they step on them first to come in. Yep. Like, oh, whoops. You guys jinxed them? We jinxed them, too. And then they just kick them out into the hall and leave them be. I would have moved them somewhere else <laughs> so they're not right in front of their door. I feel like that's suspicious put them put them in front of like the ravenclaw's door or something like that oh my god what did you do <laughs> to these poor kids what <laughs> you didn't even know they're, they're out nose, there nose deep in a book huh <laughs> we're reading uh, this is kind of like when you take certain medicines that can't be mixed with other ones mm-hmm. i mean the problem is like if you're in the heat of the moment in the middle of a battle, you don't really know what the people around you are going to be performing. 
you might accidentally like make someone grow a second head or something. Like, let's say you're in, in a battle against Voldemort's minions, and you throw some hex, and the person next to you so throws Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle. <laughs> throws the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say, for example, if that ever happened, like it just did. Or the adult versions. You you might throw a hex out that some and somebody else throws out something totally different. You it's almost like you have to like huddle up before. <laughs> Or like, all right, I'm doing this one. Well, but you don't really care because it's the enemy. But it could, we've seen what it can do to the enemy. There's no reason to think that it couldn't, like, do something to you, too, or anybody else in the vicinity. I'm not your aiming good. <laughs> Just aim. Where's your aim, babe? <sighs> well, Shoot it in that direction at the bad guys only. All right, what are you going to do? Okay, just checking. I'll adjust accordingly. <laughs> Uh, we also learned that Ludo Bagman's gambling debts are more out of control than we thought. Oh yeah, because they said, "Who are you? Who are you?" By the way, don't think we <laughs> to forgot up, to tie up this uh, loose end of a story. <laughs> who were you blackmailing? We should probably get that all sorted out before we get home. Uh, Ludo Bagman, of course, gambling debts uh, more out of control than we thought, and Fred and George got bamboozled by Bagman's mess. I don't know if we really need to go too deep into that. You know, Bagman is in debt to a lot of people. Of course, he, you know, m messed up the the kids and didn't pay them off for, for their winnings and things like that. And Bagman's probably on the run from, you know, the goblin uh, henchmen or whoever. But it helps support, debt collectors. you know, like you were concerned that he was not playing fair and he was always trying to help Harry. And oh, I know. And I said that. Go back. Go check the tape. I said I, I said it's because he had money on him. That's, of mm -hmm. course, why he wanted Harry to win, why he was so invested in Harry. He had money on him, you know. Yeah, but we're not. We're helping as, support as, that. <laughs> as somebody who's followed sports betting lines for years, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not put a lot of money on, on him, but have... You know, is aware of, you know, how sports are, are bet on. Of course, that's what he was doing. And this just, you know, gave, lent credence to what I, I thought. But Harry gives his Triwizard winnings. He tried to give them to Cedric's family. He's tried to give them to pretty much everybody at this point. Because even, like, in the beginning, I think he tried to give it to Molly. Mm -hmm. When he was still in the hospital wing. Right. Pretty much everybody he's tried to give it to, he doesn't want it. It just feels it just feels wrong to. He doesn't need it. Yeah, it just feels wrong to have it, especially mm -hmm. what given what the situation the wizarding world is, but more specifically what happened to Cedric. And the twins don't really want it at first, but Harry convinces the twins, Fred and George, to take the Triwizard winnings for what purpose? For their he's. For their joke shop. Harry knew that they were wanting to open a joke shop. Um, and, you know, he feels bad for them because, yes, they shouldn't have gambled away their life savings. Mm -hmm. But also, they, you know. Swindler took advantage of Yeah, them. they got taken advantage of mm -hmm. by an adult they thought they could trust. And so he felt bad for them. So he, Harry saw this as a way to kind of make the world right again. He can't bring back Cedric or fix anything there. But this he could kind of right a wrong. Yeah. At least I can I can use this I can make something good out of this money, which I nothing good has come of it. At least maybe I can do something for the good of 
Fred and George. And and, and then he goes on to talk about how we're going to need this. We're going to need mm-hmm. laughter. We're going to need, he even says right now, I feel like I could, I could use a laugh. Mm-hmm. And so we need this joke shop. He be- basically believes in their their mission mm-hmm. statement, their their goals. Mm-hmm. So he wants to back it. For some reason, I thought it was more like he was basically their first investor. But maybe that was something from the movie. I mean, kind of. It kind of is. Yeah, but I feel like mm-hmm. it was spoken. Yeah. But it wasn't spoken in the book. For some reason, I kind of just felt Probably like some that. business person at Warner maybe, Brothers got a hold of the script and said, oh, it sounds like an investment that he's making. Maybe, maybe it comes up that. later where he's like, Harry, anything for Harry, he's our best first investor or something. Mm-hmm. I, maybe it comes up later, but I feel like the <laughs> words were said. And they didn't. They weren't said in this chapter when I was kind of waiting for it, and it didn't happen. There's also the little line in there where Harry says, and buy Ron some new dress robes and say they're from you. Because we know that how Ron feels about growing up with not a lot of money and how he feels about Harry having all of this inherited wealth. We know that that's a sore subject for Ron. So say it's from, from Fred and George. It'll, it'll, it'll be good for, you know, brotherly love. It, Will help Ron out because he won't have to wear the the the, the 1970s uh, (laughs) disco. I felt like that uh, was a smidge of a punishment for Fred and George too, because Mm. it was like you made fun of him (laughs) so bad. Like (laughs) you were the one, like out of everybody, (laughs) you guys made him feel the worst. Nobody's perfect, and Malfoy was there. Okay, nobody's perfect. So your punishment is you would have made fun of him too. (laughs) You have to buy the robes and say they're from you. I mean, it. it, I feel like it's two birds with one stone Mm -hmm. there. I will give you this money. It will be good for the community because it will bring laughter. It will be good for you, and I love you like brothers. But it'll also be good for my other uh, brother, brother here. And, and teach you guys a little yeah, bit of a love. little penance for Make you, you as well. Like you basically say you were sorry. And uh, that's the end of the book. Nope. Uh, they're like they get I said, off the train. The beginning, kind of the beginning of almost like the second act here. If this was a, this was one big play, this would kind of be uh, the end of Act One, I would think. I'm trying to think of where they have the split in Puffs. Yeah, I'm trying to think of that too. Did Puffs have an intermission? I guess it did. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think I think it did. Um. The only other thing I want to mention is Molly tried to talk Dumbledore into letting Harry just come home with them mm-hmm. and just stay with them. Ron kind of breaks this to Harry. Mom tried. He said no. He's got. I'm sure he's got his reasons. We just got to trust him. Yeah, and Molly even said at the train, something like, or told Ron something like, Dumbledore has his reasons for you going back with the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. And at the train station, she hugs him and stuff. And I think she says, I think Dumbledore will let you come stay with us pretty soon. I don't think you'll be spending, you know, don't don't fret. You won't be spending the whole summer with them. But you have to go back mm-hmm. uh, for now. That'll be fun. 
<laughs> Yay! As if things couldn't get any worse for, for Harry. Your, the last part of your year was pretty awful. Now go hang out with the dirt fleas. Yep, and that's the end of, end of the book. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, chapter 37. We talked about the beginning and... Is it movie time? Movie time. Are you going to make popcorn or... Uh, if, I mean, if you want it. If you want it. Whatever makes you happy. I feel it'll make it take longer, but we've got the magic time turner, so yeah. people won't have to wait. Uh, time is time is nothing to us. Well, to them. I'll we pr- still have to spend the time, but the listeners don't have to. Yeah, so we're going to take uh, a little break here and uh, maybe two hours and 15 minutes to uh, make some popcorn and watch this movie. However, for you guys, it will be no more than uh, the few snaps of fingers. I don't, I don't think I have anything for that. Just press a random button, though. Don't you too read? That's always a we good did. one. We did. We read. <laughs> we did, Hermione. Now we're going to watch a movie. I got it all worked out. There we go. There we go. I got it all worked out. All right. So uh, we're going to take uh, a few hours off, but we will see you guys in about 30 seconds or so. Don't go anywhere. We're back! Oh, we're back. I don't know how you want to do this, but I have a suggestion. All right, I'm open to suggestions. Tell me if, uh, if this works out for you. So I've got some, some notes here mm-hmm. on some of the differences that stood out for me between the book and the movies. And I'll kind of throw one out. If, it, uh, if you want to comment on it, you can. If... You, if it triggers something else that you thought of, you can uh, drop that in as well. All right. So I'll just kind of go down my little list here, and then uh, you can feel free to add on or uh, hop in with something else if it uh, jogs your memory. All right. So probably the most famous is Dumbledore's asking Harry of whether or not Harry put his name in the Goblet of Fire. We talked about that. Kelly's hot already. Uh, Dumbledore She's is so mad already. Normally pretty cool, calm, and collected, but not in this scene from the movie. This is like the scene that Kelly hates. Mm-hmm. Is and she says it's not accurate at all. He like grabs Harry roughly and pushes him up against a table and yells at him like he's he's losing it. But there was a couple other moments in this movie that. I don't feel like I noticed before, but there was one in his Dumbledore's office where he like sat down and he on the floor and he looked a little like like he was losing it. Like he was rocking back and forth. He's like it was when he was talking about I I'm like I'm on the verge of figuring something out and then it just slips away and I don't he was he sounded a little crazy. Like you seen his wardrobe? <laughs> yeah nice i like it uh sirius is only seen in the fire scene in the movie that's his sirius's only appearance 
Oh, yes. In the movie. But in the book, he has regular correspondence with Harry. He meets Harry, Ron, and Hermione in the cave outside of Hogsmeade. Sirius shows up at the end of the book in both dog and human form. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, any comments about the uh, lack of Sirius in the movie? Um, I mean, I didn't really expect him to do the cave one because that's just a whole another setting, mm-hmm. a whole scene. We got to get there and... That's a lot to do that we could have just we could have just done it in an email. I mean, yeah. I mean we, a letter. We don't need dog CGI. Yeah, we could have just done that in a letter. Um, and then you know, the thing at the end was kind of I want to say completely different. Mm-hmm. Like the ending is just very different from the books. There's nothing in the hospital wing. It, it's just very different. They I feel like they got some stuff in in different places. So we kind of checked all the boxes. There's nothing about the big blow up between Fudge and Dumbledore. Yeah, and not there. The only hint we get of that is Dumbledore's speech at the end of the movie where he says something to the effect of the ministry doesn't, doesn't want me to want tell, me to you, tell this. you. but would rather you not know. But there, in the book, there's you know a couple chapters worth of... Drama. Yeah. And pretty much telling us that the ministry is going to be going forward... With kind of the mission statement that Voldemort is... There's nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. It's fine. We had an accident. Triwizard Tournament accident happens all the time. And No big. The thing about when we watch these movies after it takes us, you know, pretty much... Like, we've been reading this book for a year. Mm-hmm. Everything, of course, when you experience something over the course of a year and then you experience something over the course of two hours everything's going to seem like super you, rushed. You press the fast forward button on the entire movie i'm like wait a minute we're already on this yeah. wait a minute we're already this when we started it and we did when the world cup was over i almost asked you so how many minutes was that mm-hmm. three which is about four or five chapters mm-hmm. in the book i mean i mean that that's including the the scene with with Voldemort and uh, oh my goodness, Frank. Frank yeah, Frank, yeah. The beginning. Uh, that's another thing. I mean, that scene was pretty good. That scene was pretty on pace with the book. Mm-hmm. But the World Cup stuff was so different. Oh yeah. Uh, you know we didn't obviously. I'm sure it's on your list. Winky doesn't mm-hmm. end up in the movie at all. Yep. Neither does Dobby. Um, in the book they were like kind of all in the same box with fudge and bagman and Mm -hmm. everything well shouldn't show up but you know everybody was all up there in the same box and in this version you know they were like in the nosebleed section not near anybody and for a second there i was kind of like oh wait well how are we going to get all that stuff in if they're not in the box with everybody else, if they're up in a different section, and then I was like, oh, yeah, we just don't. There's there's, a, there's no Winky. There's no Bagman. There's a moment in the movie where the Malfoys kind of sneer at uh, the Weasleys and Harry. Enjoy your seats. Like, way up where? there. Now, wouldn't you want higher seats <laughs> for Quidditch? <laughs> like, wouldn't nosebleeds be the preferable Maybe not that high. I guess probably somewhere in the middle. Because like, if you had seats really down low, you'd probably have to crane your neck. Mm -hmm. Like you, you want the middle. You're just seeing everybody's bellies. Goalpost level. You want the goalpost level, or like midcourt for them. I don't know. I don't know. I think higher is better. 
So I think the uh, I think they're pulling one over on the rich on the rich people. <laughs> <laughs> I think the higher seats are the, are actually the uh, uh, the more more noteworthy ones. Uh, no Ludo Bagman and his gambling addiction in the movie. Nope. The movie just kind of hands off all the gambling stuff to the Weasley <laughs> twins. Yeah. We don't need Ludo. These these kids can handle Which it. Which is really kind of sad because that doesn't really. Well, we don't even talk about the the money, mm-hmm. the winnings. He does. We don't. We don't deal with any of that. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't even think it's mentioned that there is a cash prize. If there's a cash prize. Yeah. Which is weird because that should have been like the main incentive for the twins to try and get their name in the cup because there was a cash prize. Uh, no Winky or Dobby in the book, as you mentioned. Winky plays a, a pretty important role in the book, especially with as like the secret keeper of the Crouch family, mm-hmm. and. Winky is kind of like the Forrest Gump of the book where anytime there's an important thing happening, he's kind of there. <laughs> just happens to be in the room. Yeah, just like Catherine, things just happen to him. Yeah, minding her own business and then just poof, things happen. So that that was, uh, that was something that they had to kind of hand off some of the responsibilities to, to other people in the... In the book, same thing with Dobby, because no Dobby means that Neville actually gives the gillyweed to Harry. Which I kind of like. Movie. But, yeah. I mean, they just kind of took out, I think in the books, it's still, Moody gives the book to Neville. It's still there, but they take a step out. And it goes straight to, um, straight to Neville. Neville had some pretty good moments in the movie. He gives the gillyweed to Harry. He has, uh pretty good time at the yule ball yes yes he was practicing his dancing and neville the, definitely gets noticed more in this book yeah absolutely i love neville uh speaking of the crouch family uh no mention in the movie of barty senior and mrs crouch breaking barty jr out of azkaban i know which i mean i guess and they don't even talk about that the dementor came and killed him already either mm-hmm. so it just kind of i mean if you don't touch that subject at all, I guess we don't need to know anything about it. Uh, the pensive scene in the book where Barty Jr. is kind of begging his father, don't send me to Azkaban, I was I was controlled, I was misled. Very different in the movie. In the, in the, in the book, Barty Jr., like I said, is begging his father for his life. And in the moody, Barty, in the movie, in the moody, <laughs> in the <laughs> and movie, in the moody. <laughs> In the, yeah, that was a Freudian slip there. there. You go. When I'm talking about Barty Jr., I say moody instead of movie. In the movie, Barty Jr. just seems completely deranged. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-oh, I got ratted out by Karkaroff, and I happen to be in the room, and I'm going to try to escape, and Moody, uh, kind of ironically, is the person who takes Barty down uh, with one shot of his wand in the movie. And Barty is not denying anything in the movie. Yeah, no, he's almost, you know, like you said, a little drenched, but also a little proud of himself. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be the one that, you know, stand, stays true to the Dark Lord. No mention of Spew in the movie. Nope. Hermione's movement to promote the welfare of the elves. Just didn't really need it. Didn't really need it. Didn't really need it. Uh, Karkaroff and Madame Maxine were a bit different in the movie, I noticed as well. They seem to have much smaller roles. The connection 
between Hagrid and Madame Maxine being giants was completely taken out of the movie. Uh, Madame Maxine taking offense to Hagrid even suggesting that she was a giant, their reconciliation at the end of the book, and the job that they have to go make peace with the giants are all left out of the movie. All left out. I mean, you can kind of draw the... Like like we were saying, didn't we all know you were part giant? I mean, you kind of make that conclusion anyway, just based upon their appearance. Oh, well, Hagrid's part giant. She's probably part giant. and We all make that assumption anyway, because it's pretty obvious. But yeah, the whole story... The whole arc of, of their relationship is not there. What about the connection between Barty Jr. and Karkaroff? Because in the book, I don't believe it's Karkaroff who... Is Karkaroff the one who rats out Barty Jr.? Oh. Because that is directly referenced in the movie. Yes. In this, and that's the scene and where in... Barty Jr. gets taken down. And then that kind of adds even more meaning later on when Moody, in air quotes, comes face-to-face with Karkaroff, and there's kind of that tense uh, meeting between the two of them. That kind of lends some, you know, extra drama to that scene. I know that in the book, it's really two different scenes. Mm -hmm. Harry is in the pensieve, watching the one thing unfold, and then there's like a time jump, and he's watching a different memory mm-hmm. and those things are really in two different memories. But I, I don't know. I can't remember. I know he listed off many names. Mm-hmm. And so this, it's very likely that Karkaroff in an attempt to get out of Azkaban would have ratted out Barty Jr. But I don't recall it happening directly in, in, the, directly book. in the book. You know, but we might, did see his trial. Right. It might be a Bellatrix. Right. It might be hinted at, but. And we learned about sure. the Neville thing, Neville's parents and mm-hmm. what happened to them, but it's different. They're not together. They're not the same scene. Right. And that was just another way for them to kind of uh, condense everything. Yeah. Uh, the first task with the dragons. Uh, in the movie, the dragon breaks free of the chains. I, bl- I blame Charlie for that. Man. And chases Harry all around the school grounds, but in the book... And nobody the, seems to care. This is no big deal. But in the book, the battle takes place just in the arena. Yeah. And I guess that is more like, this is an opportunity for, for us to kind of flex our CGI muscle a Yeah, bit. well, they saved all that money not having the house elves in there. Mm-hmm. Or, cutting or the that dogs. Hole. <laughs> We're going to have no CGI dogs, elves, nothing... So we can jump it all on dragons. And the and the fire scene was serious. I mean, that could have been like anybody's face. Yeah. In there. <laughs> they didn't put too much money into that. <laughs> not 20 lot, bucks. Not 20, a lot of effort bucks, on maybe. that. But th- that was an opportunity where they could kind of, you know, take advantage of this visual medium and, you know, show a pretty mm-hmm. cool chase scene, fight scene. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like... There were several times where I was like, you know, when we read it in the book, I can't think of what else it was. But there was a scene in there where I was kind of like, oh, that's different. And I was like, well, the way we read it in the book, and I don't know, it's just a different thing. To, like, translate that and show it to you, I feel like it would have been less believable if they did it the way it was in the book. But when you're in the book and your your imagination is filling it in, I think, I don't know, it's just a different translation. So I think if they had stayed in the arena and the dragon, I don't know, I just feel like it would have been kind of boring. Yeah. 
I agree. And I think that, like I said, using a motion picture in order to kind of spice that scene up was pretty cool. But they kind of did the opposite with the third task. I thought the thir- third test was super underwhelming in the movie. It pretty much was just windy. <laughs> uh, maybe that's what I was thinking of. Because, yeah, there, there's no mist. There's no creatures. There's no nothing. It's there's just no, like a wind. There's no sphinx action. the riddles, them around. The riddles three. And I was like, there's okay. There's no giant spiders. Well, they probably didn't want to do with the C- deal with the CGI. We blew all our money on the... It was just... Oh, venture into the cave, or venture to the maze of horrors. And it's windy. It's, it's just windy. Yeah. <laughs> and they closed closed on you like you're going to hit with some branches. <laughs> some branches going to smack the you in the face. Branches are going to cut you up and it's going to be windy. Those vines. The vines came out of nowhere. I guess, but. Yeah, it was very underwhelming. No blast-ended screws, no big spiders, no psychedelic mist. Definitely no Sphinx, which I could have done without in the movie anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't need that. Uh, Rita Skeeter, uh, as I get kind of toward the end of my notes here, Rita Skeeter with a much smaller role in the movie. And no mention of her being uh, an animagus, no feud with Hermione. She's just kind of there. Yeah, she's there. She's kind of poking every once in a while, but she's like enough to to be annoying. Honestly. I mean, what role did she really serve in the movie? I mean, we had the, the, and it was even creepier in the movie than it was in my, in my. In <laughs> yeah, my head. I was giggling when they went in the broom when closet. When they went in the broom closet, <laughs> and she and like, it, I, it was already creepy, and I mentioned that when we. Isn't this cozy? I'm like, lady, dude, he's, and you keep saying he's thirteen. No, he's he's fourteen, and she kept saying he was twelve. Twelve. My my, this my cozy my. lady, back off! That's weird. Very weird. Didn't need, didn't even need to be in the movie. Honestly, is is she going to play like a a big role going forward in the no. movies? No. So that was I, just was maybe just, just, just kind of like fan, fan service to have yeah. her in there. Uh, doesn't look like from from everything I saw, it doesn't look like Barty Junior dies at the end of the movie. Yeah, they don't talk. They don't. They don't touch it. Like they just don't touch it. They don't touch the whole backstory. Uh, no Cornelius Fudge bringing a Dementor into the castle, which ends up sucking Barty Jr.'s soul out in the book. He's just apparently sent back to Azkaban. Which didn't keep him the first time. So here's the problem. I think, was it Dumbledore that said that contact Azkaban, I think they'll realize they're missing, missing a, prisoner. a prisoner. That kind of made sense in the book. Because we had the dying uh, Mrs. Crouch in Barty's place with the polyjuice potion to make her look like Barty. But nobody knew that they were just missing a prisoner. They don't take roll call at Azkaban. It's a Dementor. Like, I don't know. Maybe they can't count. I don't know. Maybe they I've don't count so well. But in the movies. You know, you have to come stand outside your cell and like prisoner three zero zero seven present. Like sure where's three zero zero eight? I'm sure it's exactly like that. I would think so. Um, but, maybe dementors don't count very well. I don't know. No. Well, that's all, that's all I had for notes. Anything else uh, trigger your memory? Anything else you want to uh, add about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire movie version versus 
uh, book version as we wrap up uh, this never-ending novel, seemingly never-ending novel. Um, the movie's not one of my okay. The movie is my least favorite, and that's and I've heard you say that before, and I've had several people tell me when I was at uh, a Comic Con recently, Saluki Con. And I told them where I was at in the books. And a lot of people said, either that's my favorite book or that's my favorite movie. And I'm like, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and we're sorry. Is that the only one listeners. you've read and watched? Yeah. I'm, it made me like the book more. Mm. Watching it again. Watching the movie just now. Um, I just appreciated you know, there's so much more content. The story is so much deeper. Maybe a little too deep at times. Yeah. But, and I'm just like, the movie, it's like, they just left so much out. Mm-hmm. The movie needed to be about 45 minutes longer, I think. And we could have added, and maybe, it, you know, I haven't watched like the deleted scenes or anything like that, special features, but... You know, maybe if there was like a director's cut of it, maybe we'd get a little bit more. You know, more well, I don't know because they're not gonna. Things. I mean, they, it's not gonna add any of that CGI stuff because they just didn't spend the money on it. It's not like it's a deleted scene. That it, is something I could totally, it. by the way, see them doing for like an HBO Max, like to get subscriptions up, mm-hmm. like Harry Potter, like the extended cut or something like that, where they add like forty-five minutes to these movies and like update the cgi and you know add you know dog serious in a cave scene and things like that and they kind of did that with justice league that was one of like the the main draws that hbo max used for justice or for hbo max when it came out was look we're gonna have a director's cut of justice league and they went back and refilmed they spent like 20 million dollars letting Zack snyder refilm or film it for the for the first time scenes that he would have wanted to have in his director's cut uh, of Justice League if he would have got to finish it. And it ended up being a four-hour extravaganza, uh, you know, four one-hour parts. But it got a lot of people to sign up for HBO Max. Could you imagine what the Harry Potter fandom would do? How many extra subscribers they'd have if they, you know, release like a a director's cut every two months of something of uh, one of the Harry Potter movies. That, that would, I don't know how they would pull it off, but that would be phenomenal. It would be, it would be with the technology that we have even now compared to when this movie came out, how it Mm -hmm. just, you know, it, it gets even more and more ridiculous every year what they can do. You know, they would they'd easily be able to use, like, uh, you know, old footage and things like that and add in some CGI stuff. It, it would be relatively easy to do. Mm-hmm. I say that not having to do any of the work, <laughs> but I think it would be uh, a very big opportunity for them, uh, them being HBO Max, to, you know, get some subscribers by having something very unique. I... I totally agree. I have another idea, though. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> take. Um, I did... Okay, so at the very beginning of this movie, I don't know if it got better or if I just got more used to it. And well, I'm going to make some people mad, but I think that Hermione's acting was pretty awful. Wow. Well, hit the hot take button there. 
hot take. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. It's hot. It's getting hot in here. Like, just that opening scene where she was trying to wake the boys up. I don't know. It's like she was trying too hard. Mm. And that whole scene when the twins were trying to do the aging potion. It's almost like she was breaking the wall there. She turned and looked. She turned away from everybody in the scene and looked straight at the camera. When it's not going to work. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god. And you know that that could be a, a director's choice too, because I think I think the first two movies were directed by Chris Columbus, and I think I'm not sure if the third and the fourth were directed by the same person or if they were directed by different people, but it wasn't the same person that directed the first two movies. So, you know, that could be a direct yeah, choice. She was told to do it that way. way. I want you to really, you know, go overboard with, you know, mm -hmm. some of these scenes. I did also, another thing I noticed while I was watching, and like you said with the director's choices, I noticed that we spent, I mean, not an extraordinarily long time, but a lot of time I felt wasted doing the weird transitions, like, with a scene with Neville, and then we had to sit there and watch that stained glass thing crying. Mm -hmm. And it just felt like it was going on long. Totally, and then there was totally a director's another. Choice, there yeah. was lots of very of artsy transitions mm -hmm. that I felt kind of just stopped the movie mm -hmm. Which and is totally all the action. The right. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, come on, pick that. it up. You're you're dragging the story out mm -hmm. because you want your artsy shot. Mm -hmm. And I, that, I found that a little annoying. It seemed like it was just... I mean, I know you have to transition, but it was too long of a transition. Look at you breaking down film. Sorry. <laughs> but when it distracts from the story, it's too much. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. Um, Is that it? Are we done? I think so. I mean, I could probably find things to keep talking about, but... You gonna you gonna break down uh, the bad acting of anybody any of these other children? <laughs> no, were you annoyed with Crumb? Well, who were you annoyed with? You made a couple of comments. Yeah, who who was I annoyed with? I'm pretty sure it was Crumb. Didn't you say his muscles weren't big enough? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, and I think I I think I mentioned that in the book too, because they they talk about how he was kind of like when he got like overpowered and. Oh, yeah, because... And I'm like, like, isn't... He's supposed to be, like, 18. Like, the testosterone's, like, pumping through his veins. He's a world-class athlete. And he's kind But the Seekers don't gotta be buff. They sh... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Harry's not buff. He's a Seeker. But he's, like... Well, according to Rita Skeeter, he's 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Did you say he looked like a dweeb? He did look like a dweeb. I'm like, why would anybody... Like, listen, I'm a very, like, average-looking guy. Um, okay, average to to slightly above-average-looking guy. I'm, I'm cute. I'll say that. I'll say I'm... And muscles. I, I'm cute. Eh, I'm not, I'm not going to go that far. But... Victor Crumb does, it wasn't cute. Was he cute? No, I don't think he was cute. Was I don't, he it was just the celebrity handsome? status. He wasn't really handsome. And uh, the ruggedness. He wasn't. And was then that, that scene where he's like walking along the lake and he's got like, the, like the tank top on. 
and the girls are all following him. I go, bro, where are the muscles at? You did. That is exactly where are the muscles at. I don't know. I kind of he doesn't even look like he's in very good shape. Like not only that he's, I mean, you can dad bodish. You you can be, you could be lean, and you don't have to be like, you know, you don't have. Harry, on the other hand, when he got in the tub. You just think that he's like skin and bones. He had a little bit of muscle. I on thought him. he did too. I was like, oh. I, I like how that we've got to where we're breaking <laughs> down the bodies of these of these actors, of these but children. When, but when he got in the bathtub, I was like, okay, like Deep dude's dude's man. been doing his sit ups. Harry, goodness. I mean, he's very very gangly. He's wiry though. Yes, but it, yeah. It's but like, he should. He. But if you. If you on if you're on a sports team and you're that involved in it, you know you yeah, sh- you gotta balance, hold yourself on yeah, that. Yeah, you should have a you should you don't have, have to necessarily core. be like power bulking or anything, <laughs> but you should be you know uh, you know lean and and muscular. And Chrome wasn't. No, he wasn't. No, I, and if, I don't know. I haven't looked him up lately. He's probably like him. a bodybuilder now, like <laughs> like Neville's like an underwear model now. So. <laughs> Maybe I'm just picking they on just the poor kid. He just needed somebody who was surly looking. He was surly looking. Yes. Not not particularly handsome though. Mm. But I guess, like you said, the celebrity the celebrity status. I mean, like, Mick Jagger's not a very good looking man. The <laughs> and <laughs> he's been like married to some of the most beautiful women in the history of the world. So mm-hmm. you, you know. always ask me uh, when there's a guy on TV that's getting a bunch of girls, and he's supposed to be hot. And I go now he's hot, right? And you go nope. no. <laughs> I asked you that about that uh, uh, who, that Travis Barker guy <laughs> who's with uh, one of the Kardashians. I go, now he's really hot, right? Nope. <laughs> like, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. But, I, you know, maybe it's not for me to get. It's not for me to understand. But uh, <laughs> nice little sidebar we took there <laughs> as uh, Jess picked apart the acting talent of these uh, young men and women. And I picked apart their physical <laughs> stature we break everything down here on broomsticks and butterbeer you don't know what you're gonna get but we do know what you're gonna get next time you're getting a new book Ooh, i'm so excited and with a new book uh, also comes a new theme song for the uh, podcast every time we do a new book we do a new magical theme uh, theme song and this next one i'm not going to tell you what it is but i will tell you that uh jane picked it out oh and uh, Jane uh, said, well, I, I wonder why they haven't used that song. So I told her, next book, we're using that song. And I think you will uh, like it very, very much. Okay. I think, okay. Okay. I think you'll like it very, very much. So. I, I don't know what the current one is. Uh, got to believe we are magic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Nothing can stand in our way. Uh, great Olivia Newton-John, I believe. I have heard that when you were doing the editing, now that you mention it. But uh, thanks, everybody, for downloading, listening, and subscribing, following us on this journey called Broomsticks and Butterbeer through the Harry Potter novels as we come to a close here with Chapter 37 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, The Beginning. And we'll be beginning a new book I next see what time you did we talk there. to you. A special shout out to Jennifer in California, uh, Anastasia in Connecticut, who we're going to, as we record this in 2022, trip is planned. We're going to be visiting 
invading C2E2, if you will, uh, with Anastasia on our side. Yes. And it's going to be a pretty cool sh- trip to Chicago to see Catherine as well. Uh, special shout out again to Kelly and her new digs in New York. And uh, baby Olivia. And Posh. And an extra special shout out to our friend Jane in Illinois. And the newest member of the Broomsticks and Butterbeer Fan club? family. <laughs> baby Veronica. Who, uh, you know, most people take nine months uh, to have a baby. Jane said, I'll do it in seven and a half. <laughs> she's, a, she's a Hufflepuff and a bit of an overachiever, apparently. But baby Veronica is doing quite well, despite uh, joining us earlier than expected. So, uh, shout out to Jane and Ronnie as well. Uh, who, who am I forgetting? You got it. I think I got everybody. All right. Well, thank you as well. Send us your emails. Let us know what you thought. Is Goblet of Fire your favorite book and why? Uh, Convince us. Explain it to us. Explain it to us. Explain why you're wrong. Ooh, (laughs) I see what you did there. No, everybody's opinion matters here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com at broomsticksb on Twitter. And Jess, next time we get together, we'll be on to book five, which is... Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Where does this fall on your... You said this is one of your favorites, One of my right? favorites. Oh, so that, I always say this one's my favorite. Me. And then I we get to Half-Blood Prince and I'm like, oh, this is my favorite too. So I guess it's tied for my favorite. So are they just... They're just next few books, we got a lot to look forward to. Yeah. As far as uh, quality literature. Like you said, things are different now, and I think it gets really good. It really picks up. and well, Hopefully our podcast will pick up. Now, we continue to pick up followers. We continue to pick up listeners. Uh, we hope you guys are enjoying it. And we will see you next time for Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Until next time, I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.